Hey there, Tony here again with the Words and Music of Faith, Hope, and Love podcast, episode 22. And of course, this is Thanksgiving week. So right off the bat, I want to wish each and every one of you a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. And uh, as hard as it may seem or may be to you, don't eat too much, okay? Be healthy. Be healthy and live to have another Thanksgiving. And and remember, there's Christmas coming too, so you want to save a little room for that, don't you? Well, anyway, I wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I hope it's a great one. I hope you get to see family and friends, or do whatever it is that you do that you like, and just remember to give thanks to God, because without Him, we wouldn't have anything to to enjoy here anyway. So uh, that's why it's called Thanksgiving. It isn't just accidental. We give thanks to someone, and it's the one, the one true God. Um, I'm going to get right into... The uh, the words and music of this week. Yep, and I said words and music. I, I put in a lot of things this week that uh, I haven't been putting in lately. And a lot of it has to do with uh, um, my own words and music. So, I mean, I guess it's TonyFunderberg.com, so it shouldn't be uh, Margaritaville, right? <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Um, I wrote a uh, let's see, was it a song? Yeah, I think it was a song. And uh, let's see, let me look at the... Well, I don't have that right in front of me, but I have the, the, the lyrics on my website, and it's called Tiny Boat. And um, I think it was just a poem on this in this uh, particular one. But anyway, I uh, was telling about it, and I said, the world is a very serious place to me now. I know my writing and songwriting reflect this serious perspective, but they didn't always. And I don't want to let the doom and gloom dominate my thoughts. So I figured I'd just start tossing in a bunch of my carefree writing from recent days and yesterdays. And I came across this little poem. I wrote it way back in April 1974. Mm-hmm. A long time ago. And uh, like I said, it's called Tiny Boat. And as I read it today, I could see some of the same word pictures I saw the day I wrote it. I remembered how one day in the spring of that year I had been um, lying down on some very soft meadow grass in east-central Kansas where I used to live. And a feathery wind had whisked across my face and through my hair and tickled my ears all afternoon. And as fate, well, the fate I created each time I went out, would have it, I had my trusty 19-cent big pen and spiral notebook with me. I used to uh, have that big pen uh, in my mouth like uh, some cigar guys. You, you see guys smoking cigars and they'll have it just sort of like they're chewing on it. And uh, I just always had my big pen there chewing on it. I would chew the ends of them off. But anyway, I always carried that uh, big pen and a spiral notebook with me and filled up a lot of them. And that day, uh, for some reason, as I closed my eyes to think, I remembered uh, a Sunday drive with my grandparents and uncle and aunt. And I've shared that, uh, well, a bit of that story on a podcast episode. If you go to uh, TonyFundenberg.com forward slash Tiny Boat, where I'm uh, talking about this and have the lyrics, uh, you'll see a link to that podcast episode. On that drive, we went out into the countryside in rural Oklahoma where my grandparents were. And we crossed a large steel span bridge and I 
looked down through the metal beams, and, and I could swear I saw a tiny boat with tiny people on it. And to this day, it still, it still seems just as real as that day. I could swear, well, I don't want to swear, but, you know, I, I just knew that's what it was. Well, of course, my family had quite a laugh out of it, but I knew what I saw. Now, you fast forward about 20 years to 1974, and there I was, lying on the grass with a poem forming in my head. It's not an awesome poem. It's a simple collection of thoughts from a more carefree time. And I thought I'd share it with you. And uh, if you have thoughts from a more carefree time, I invite you to share them with me in the comments section there on my website at TonyFunderbrook.com. And uh, I'll just get right to the, the lyrics. It says, I laid in the meadow grass soft as feathers. I let the wind blow through my hair. And I didn't try to get my thoughts together. I whistled a song called Tiny Boat, a pretty little melody. And then I remembered the words to it, and I sang it cheerfully. With sails so white and wood so strong, you let the wind help you along. Is it my love that makes you float? If so, I love you, tiny boat. Tiny boat sailing rivers by the trees. Pretty tiny boat, take me with you, please. And I followed that up with another one I wrote called The Play of Night and Day. Now, back in the 70s, when I was still a wide-eyed dreamer, I filled up lots of spiral notebooks with poems, stories, and lyrics to songs I'd write once I figured out a way around a piano. And um, I've been going back over some of them in the past couple of days to see where my mind was. I've noticed that I wrote a lot of poems and songs with a romantic hue. A romantic hue. <laughs> Sounded like romantic hue. And I don't mean just the lovey-dovey romance, but, you know, the rose-colored glasses kind. Uh, one of my poem songs popped up on my radar just now, uh, today, called The Play of Night and Day. And next to the lyrics of the song, I scribbled some chords to remind me of how the song would go. And as I read through it, I could hear the tune in my head. It's very lighthearted, optimistic, and even a bit pushy at the same time. And uh, I shared the lyrics on my website, tonyfunderberg.com forward slash night dash and dash day, or just go to the website tonyfunderberg.com and look for it. It's easy to find. Anyway, um, you'll see what the part, uh, you'll see what parts night and day play in the play. Can I say play in the play? Oh, I just did it again, so I hope so. Anyway, it's it's funny to listen to the song in my head. It's not a song I'd write nowadays at all. I mean, it's it's too silly to the older me. But the younger me was one of those guys who never missed a chance to laugh and look on the bright side. So I'll keep the tune in my head and see if I can get some of that bounce back in my spirit. See if it works on you. This is the play of night and day. And when the curtain falls again, where will you be? Will you be saying your lines to me? Or will you take yourself to another play? I don't think I want to hear the things you say. Oh, sleepy sun, won't you get out of bed? You've had the whole night to clear your head. You've got a day of work that needs to be done. Get out of bed, if you will, oh, sleepy sun. Fight off the clouds, I don't think we need them around. There's plenty of water on the ground. But ask them to say that they'll come another day. So surely they will go away today. Let's have a happy time. Let's laugh and sing and dance. 
Throw caution to the wind and show the world our romance. Hey, happy moon, will we be seeing you tonight? Will you be lending all the world your silver light? Your generous love is hard to define. Oh, heaven, help me keep the love that I call mine. That's actually a pretty good segue into the next article I wrote. And this one is um, talking about 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 40. There's a big section in there where the Apostle Paul goes in depth on the spiritual gift of tongues. Now, my New King James Bible divides this passage into four sections. Prophecy in tongues, tongues must be interpreted, tongues assigned to unbelievers, and order in church meetings. On the surface, it can seem a bit difficult to discern what Paul is talking about, but I believe all 40 verses are summed up in the first two words, pursue love. I sense that Paul is still exhorting the Corinthians to stay focused on the message of salvation and love that's been given to them by the grace from God. As a musician, um, I like the musical references Paul uses to illustrate his points. He says, to quote, Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? You get that? If a flute sounds no different than a harp, what difference does it make which is played? And who would even know which one was being played? When we pursue love first, we realize that getting others to understand us means speaking a language they can understand. Otherwise, it's just noise to them. And this gets back to one of my earlier points that I wrote in another article. If we're so focused on what's on the master's table and not the fact that we're with the master, we'll merely make noise and look silly to unbelievers. I know for me, I'd much rather spend seven seconds with Jesus than to have a whole lifetime of spiritual gifts. I want to pursue love and pass it on as best I can. And I'd like to encourage you to do the same. I don't mean the all-you-need-is-love kind of love the Beatles sang about, but the love that comes from a heart full of gratitude for the grace of God which surpasses everything. What do you think? Would you like to focus on that kind of love too? That kind of love is found in Jesus. I'll just say it right out. And he is the reality of faith. Now, I have faith, faith in God, in his son Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit. But if these three don't truly exist, my faith is in vain. So the question arises, can I know they exist? I mean, really know? Well, the Bible shares the story from several perspectives of the birth death, and resurrection of Jesus. If that story is true, then he is the reality of faith, the true story. If there really was and is a man named Jesus who was and is God, then what he did for all mankind clearly shows he is the reality of faith. Just imagine God, who has always existed, taking on human flesh to truly experience what we experience. 
Now go beyond that. God, who exists as one God in three distinct persons, had never known anything but perfect life. He had always experienced perfect communion in the Godhead as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he came to us and died for us and rose again for us. Now, I fully realize this is impossible for human brains to fully comprehend. But we can apprehend it even as we apprehend the petals of a rose, so delicate and soft and delightfully scented, yet so incredibly resilient and potent. Once God decided to create the universe, our solar system, Earth, and all of us creatures in it, he took a huge risk. And some might even say it didn't pay off uh, for him so well. So uh, what was that? He gave us our own will. We're free to love him. We're free to love him. We're not forced to love him. And in order for us to be truly free to love him, we must also be free to hate him. And billions do. You think you've had it bad? Imagine never experiencing death and knowing you cannot be killed. Then imagine being willing to take on the form of those who hate you in order to take on the punishment they deserve. And that punishment is death. For Jesus to be born, grow up, and be killed on a cross, and then rise from the dead to show us what we can look forward to if we choose him, he must love us so much. Is this a true story? Well, the Bible has stood the test of time and immense scrutiny for thousands of years. There were eyewitness accounts to the death and resurrection of Jesus. There's an enormous amount of evidence that his story is true and that he really did take our punishment on himself. And because he did that for me, he is the reality of faith for me. How about you? If this reality hasn't found its way into your heart, while you still breathe, it's not too late. And that love that I talked about, that love, it restored my soul. I can say this in complete and utter truth. Since I was 13, I've never really felt alone. And that was the age I was when my grandmother told me for the umpteenth time that Jesus was waiting to come into my heart if I just let him. Well, this time I let him. And I know now what I didn't fully realize then. His love restored my soul and spirit and gave me eternal life. I guess that's really hard for most people to accept that it truly is that easy. Just ask God to come into your heart and heal your spirit. And he does. Yeah, that couldn't be the answer. I must have to do something else. After all, I've lived a pretty hard life. You don't know some of the things I've done. Maybe I can hear you saying that. Well, it doesn't matter. But Tony, you say, I've really done lots of awful things, even to people I care about. And I haven't done many good things. Maybe not any. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but Tony... I've always been the kind of person who gets and does whatever I want. And I've always wanted what wasn't good for me. And I knew it wasn't good for me, but it was just so darn fun. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that you're still here. You're still breathing. 
and you still have a choice to make. It's simple, not difficult. God loves you, and he's made a way for you to have a completely clean slate. And not just for now, for all of eternity. You just have to choose. Do you want to go on playing God? Or do you want to let the one true God, the one who created you, restore your soul, spirit, and life? Like I said, his love restored my soul, and it can do the same for you today. And here are the words to a song that I wrote called, Your Love Restored My Soul. It goes right along with that, and it's based on Psalm 22 and part of Psalm 23. It starts out, From my mother's womb you have been my God, even if I didn't always know it. And I've loved you since my salvation day even if I didn't always show it. I believe your son is the only way to a life I know is never-ending. So I cast my lot with the king of kings, and his truth I trust is never-bending. Jesus, your love restored my soul. You gave your life to make me whole. I'd be a lifeless lump of coal. Oh, but Jesus, your love restored my soul. On my darkest days I am not alone. You indwell me with your Holy Spirit. And your still small voice is an open book. And your grace is there if I draw near it. And in that open book is the one true God. And the words revolve around his story. And the words are turned into flesh and bone. And he shares with each of us his glory. Jesus, your love restored my soul. You gave your life to make me whole. I'd be a lifeless lump of coal. Oh, but Jesus, your love restored my soul. And you know what else Jesus did? He led the ultimate unselfish life. And that's not illustrated or perpetuated in evolution. You may have heard the term altruism. That's defined in the dictionary as the selfless concern for the well-being of others. It's very cool that we can even observe different species concerned for the well-being of other species. We all love to hear the story of the dog who saved its master who fell in the frozen lake. Or the story of a mother cat who nursed a stray guinea pig in addition to her kittens. And of course we love to hear the stories of courage when people are saved from burning buildings or car crashes and natural disasters. But how in the world do those selfless acts tie in with the survival of the fittest, or the perpetuation of the species, or as Darwin wrote in his famous book, right on the cover it says, preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. Talk about racism. Well, how do those fit in? The, the short answer is they don't. If you cling to an evolutionary worldview, you're holding on to a rope with no one and nothing at the other end to pull you from the quicksand. Ironically, if anyone did show up to pull you in, it wouldn't be because they felt a strong need to perpetuate the species. No, they'd be responding to that still small voice inside them, that message written on the tablet of their heart, that this is the right thing to do. The right thing to do. Evolution doesn't determine or clarify right and wrong. In fact, it merely obfuscates the matter with billions of different opinions. Evolution doesn't bring about an unselfish life. In fact, it does quite the opposite. 
If evolution were true, selfishness would have eliminated unselfishness a long time ago. But it isn't true. It's a pitiful, untenable worldview that seeks to thumb its nose and shake its fist in the face of God. If you're still clinging to the hope that you can be your own God, believe me, you will be, and forever. But I don't think you're going to like it, so please reconsider. And on that note, I just want to say Happy Thanksgiving once again this week. Hope you all stay safe and sound and healthy. And I hope to see you next week. And until then, this is Tony from TonyFunderberg.com with the words and music of Faith, Hope, and Love podcast saying, God bless. <laughs>